Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I am really so glad to be with you here today. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this message. I really, uh, it's, it's something that the Lord inspired uh, in me actually years ago, and I've, been, I've had it in my sermon drawer waiting for uh, such a time to pull it out and say, okay, Lord, let's develop this one and, and work through it, because I was really excited about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you here today. But I'll, first, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do, in fact, hardly ever do, but I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, uh, Mr. Damien, I'll ask you a question here. What, what is your, I, and I already know some of these answers, although I didn't talk to anybody ahead of time to warn them, but I'll go ahead and ask, what's your profession? Okay, graphic designer. Great. Uh-huh. And you're a father, right? And you play what instruments? Give me the list. Guitar. Drums. Bass. Piano. What else? No, I'm just kidding. That's, 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 <laughs> yeah, is that it? <laughs> Come on, man. You got some work to do, don't you? Can't help but notice you didn't mention tambourine. <laughs> I'm a tambourine player, by the way. That's, that's my instrument. Hey, listen, you, you, you play with the cards you're dealt, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Obviously, he was dealt a few more aces. Uh, uh, Kaz, uh, what's, your, what's your profession, sir? IT, IT professional. Well, we've got a lot of IT professionals in the congregation. And uh, your father, I know, also. And you play uh, bass, uh, right? And, and keyboard, too. Wow, I haven't seen you play keyboard. Nice. Ha- saxophone? Not yet. Okay, okay. Uh, he's trying to catch up with, uh, with Damien. Okay, fair enough. You know, I, I remember I think about th- my profession. I didn't always used to be a rabbi. A lot of you know that. For many years, I was in the corporate world. And I remember when I was in operations at the Coca-Cola company or when I was in marketing at AT&T, and I, I remember that matter in, in other volunteer ministry positions when I remember when I was president of the Young Messianic Jewish Alliance, or I do remember when I was a tambourine player at 12 years old right here at Congregation Bethel. Thank you very much! <laughs> Man, I played that tambourine with all my heart. I really did. I still play that tambourine with all my heart when I play it, you know, and so... Hey, listen, you, you do it. Whatever it is that you do, the, what can make you special? I mean, all of you do different things, whether you work in or outside the home. And, and, and same thing with all of you watching online, or maybe you're a young person, student. Whatever it is that you do, it doesn't matter what you do, what makes you kind of special? And I'm not talking about from a, special from a worldly perspective and, uh, or, or different or unique or, or great from a worldly perspective. I'm not talking about making the most money or becoming the most famous. You know, people say, oh boy, that's a, that person is really, really great. Well, what does that great mean? I mean, I'm not talking about from the worldly perspective what is a great person or great at, at what you do, whatever it is that you do. It doesn't matter work or other such things. But what makes you different? And, and what I'm asking is what can, what can, how can you be most successful in whatever it is that you do in the eyes of the Lord? That's what I'm asking. How can you be most successful in the eyes of the Lord? Because at the end of the day, those are the, really the only eyes that matter. That's the really only, the only perspective that matters is the eyes of God himself. And so how can you be most successful, but, but yet we all do different things, whether it be vocationally or, or otherwise, you know, talking about other things such as a father or, or a mother. I noticed we had all guys up here today. Man, we needed a rose among the thorns. I'm just saying. <laughs> But in any case, uh, I, I want to spend some time talking today about one of my very favorite biblical uh, people and, and characters today, 
Man, I'm telling you, I could spend months just on stories from this one person. And he's known, and all of you have heard of him, or most of you have heard of him, but it's not, uh, but he's, it's not the, the go-to that most people talk about very lot, uh, a lot. He's, for many reasons, he's not as famous as many people in the Bible, but I'd present to you that there are few people who are more powerful. There were very few people in the Bible, very few who were more powerful. And I'm talking about the prophet Elisha. <laughs> Elisha. It's interesting. Now, of course, many of you know Elisha's mentor, Elijah. And, uh, and just to, to, get, to get this through, a few things here, we'll go over a few terms. First of all, Elijah was the, was the mentor. Elisha was the mentee. And to add uh, just another level of slight confusion, the mentor, Elijah, in Hebrew, Eliyahu, Eliyahu. And Elisha, the mentee, uh, Elisha, Elisha, okay, in Hebrew. So most of you know of uh, Elisha's mentor, Elijah, and, and certainly for good reason. Eliyahu Hanavi, Eliyahu HaTishbi, Eliyahu, Eliyahu, Eliyahu Hagiladi. Okay, of course, you know that for those of you who've been to Passover Seder, that should be familiar. Other holidays where we, where we remember Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, the prophet Elijah. So we're going to be remembering him coming up in about a week or so. Why? Some of you are already getting the table set for Passover. Passover, by the way, is a week from right after Shabbat, okay? So right after Shabbat, next, next weekend. Starts Passover. I hope you're having a Passover Seder, at least in your home. I know that, man, next year we're going to have a big Passover Seder here at Beth Hillel. We didn't get to have one last year and didn't have to get the big Passover Seder this year. I, I told Dave and Wendy, man, you guys have gotten your sabbatical, okay, and more. Get ready. to, Man, they're, they're going to have to start cooking like in maybe October or so, getting ready for this thing. <laughs> and we're going to have a good time, y'all, for Passover. We remember the, the place for Elijah. And Elijah is remembered, of course, the mentor is, is remembered as fighting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You guys remember, half the congregation remembers being with me on Mount Carmel, okay? It was, it's such a special place. When, remember when Elijah called fire down from heaven to show that the God of Israel was indeed God? And not the prophets of uh, Baal, okay? What a prophet Elijah was. And of course, we know that he didn't see death. You know, so gosh, no doubt, man. I mean, Elijah, big time. But Elijah's protege, Elisha, Elisha, was amazing in his own right. In fact, other than Yeshua himself and possibly Moses, no one in the Bible performed more miracles than Elisha. A lot of people don't realize that. This, this guy was a major league player. Second Kings, if, if you don't typically turn to with me in your scripture, because I turn kind of quick and I go a lot of scripture, today you might be able to do it a little bit easier because I'm going to stay in the Second Kings area for most of the message today. We're going to start in Second Kings chapter 4, although we are going to move around a little bit. We're going to examine a few things about Elisha, friends, and examine what it is that made Elisha special. There was something special and different about Elisha that I want to share with you today. And hopefully I'm going to tell you, get ready, it can have application in your own life no matter where you are or what you do. Okay, so we're going to go through a few of the stories and friends, just a few. Man, it's, it's, it's a good chunk of the book of 2 Kings talking about the different things that Elisha, Elisha did. And they are remarkable, no doubt. I mean, there's so many of these amazing things uh, about the prophet Elisha. Uh, so we're going to go through a few of them and look at them. And I want you to be sensing as we go through some of these examples of the amazing things that God did through Elisha, I want you to start feeling and sensing the weight of the power that this guy had. <laughs> because get ready, it's powerful. We'll start with this story. A widow of one of the prophets, so, so she was in a ministry home, okay, if you will, and, and it was a, a ministry home, and, and, and she was a widow, and she came to Elisha and told him that the creditors were coming soon to take away her two sons as slaves because she didn't have the funds to pay off her debt. 
Okay, these, you know, you, you think it's bad now when you get calls from the credit card company, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's a credit card company, again, asking for money or, you know, some debt collector. Well, th- this, was, this was a whole different ballgame back then because they were coming to take her children uh, to sell them as slaves to pay off the debt. And so she was desperate uh, and she was hurting. And uh, something interesting happened, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2 she was, she was talking to Elisha, Elijah. What should I do for you? Elisha asked her. Tell me, what do you have in the house? She replied, well, your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go bar for yourself vessels from all your neighbors, empty jars, not just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and behind your sons and pour into all those vessels setting aside what is full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and behind her sons. And they kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. She took that one bottle of oil and it just kept pouring into other vessels, right? And more and more vessels were brought to her. And verse six, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there isn't another vessel. So the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, and so he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, then you and your sons can live on the rest. Oof, man, that is an intense story. What an intense moment of desperation for this woman. And you know what it reminds me of? You know, when when he said, start pouring, the oil just kept going. This one jar of oil just kept pouring. It kept pouring. They kept bringing more vessels. Like, man, where's this oil come from? It reminds me some of when Yeshua fed the 5,000. It's, it's a very similar miracle, really. You, you know, when Yeshua fed the 5,000, right? And it was more than 5,000, as you know, because there were women and children. It was way, way more than, five, more closer to my 10,000. Okay, by the way, it's a special place in Israel, isn't it? When you're on the Mount of Beatitudes in that area, and we're, ooh, boy, that's special. Okay, but anyway, there it was. Yeshua broke the bread, the fish and the loaf, boom. And, 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 and it just kept going. It kept going, fed five, 10,000 people. And it's just like, where'd it come from? Well, it's God. God somehow just did it. Same thing with Elisha, uh, uh, Elisha, Elisha, right? And this woman, she said, take the oil. She only had one jar. That's all she had to her name. That's all she had. She was dirt poor. She had nothing. Keep pouring. Bring all the jars you can. Man, it just kept pouring. It kept pouring. It kept pouring. It kept pouring. Great. Go pay off all your debt with all this oil that you, that you got, which was at a premium, of course. And then live off the rest of your days on the rest of the oil. Absolutely amazing. The oil didn't run out until every container was full. I love how God provided for the widow of the man who served God. I love that. There's a spiritual principle there, my friends. You got to serve the Lord all your days. He'll provide for you, take care for you. Even when the situation seems the most desperate, someone say amen. Elisha, though, had such an anointing on him that God moved through him to provide for that widow. Really remarkable story. And, that, and that's, that's one of these miracles, man. Shut the door behind you. And you know, you have to give it to that widow for being obedient. I mean, it sounded kind of a quirky thing to do. I mean, it didn't make any sense. Get a whole bunch of empty jars and pour the jar. I mean, what is this? You know, some kind of a Sesame Street game? You know, one jar into the other? What's the big deal? But she was obedient to when the, when the man of God told her what to do, this prophet. And man, Unbelievable. Can you imagine she had to have, if you look very deep in the Hebrew, it says she freaked out. But that's, that's if you got to be a Hebrew expert to understand. <laughs> but, 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 but I'm just saying, she had to have flipped, y'all. I mean, she had to have been like, what is going on? I can just imagine her hand on that jar, Sue, right? And she was pouring, and it's like, oh my gosh. And she was probably looking at the jar, like, where's that come from? And she's trying to figure out what's happening there. Absolutely amazing. What a powerful story. But I wonder why Elijah, why did God pick Elijah? Why did Elijah have this power to do this for this woman who just came up to her and said, I have this desperate need. They're going to be taking my kids. This wasn't just like, a, you know, I got a stub toe. They were going to take her kids and make them slaves. Man, and, and Elijah, boom. Man, that was power. Powerful. Why Elijah? Why did God choose Elijah? Why was Elijah given this kind of ability to, to do something like this, let's go to chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to be thinking about that a little bit. Why Elisha? Why did God choose Elisha to do these really 
unbelievably miraculous things, and I'm just getting started, my friends. The king of Aram was fighting against Israel. So the king of Aram was fighting against Israel, and yet Israel always seemed to know what Aram was doing. And, and the, the king of Aram got, got a little bit upset and was like, hey, how come it is that Israel always knows my plans? And he thought, maybe perhaps I got a spy in my, in my ranks, in my leadership. Maybe I got a spy who's telling Israel what my military plans are. I mean, is, is, is that what's going on? Is, is that what's happening? But one of his assistants told him, no, 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 king, that's not what's happening. What is happening? Well, we read in verse 12 of chapter 6, one of his officers said, no, my lord, the king, rather Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, keeps telling the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. So he said, so the king said, go see where he is so that I may send and seize him. I'll pause for just a second. So, so, so Elisha could discern what was happening, what the king was doing and saying, even though he really wasn't actually there. And he was reporting it. Okay, continuing in verse 13. So the king said, he, 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 once he found out about this prophet Elisha, he wanted to go get him. He said, go see where he is so that I may send and seize him. Then it was reported to him, behold, he is in Dothan. Okay, so the king of Aram sent horses, chariots, and a great army there. For to do what? To, to get Israel, the king of Israel, the battle of the army of Israel? No, just to take Elisha. They arrived at night and surrounded the city. Uh-oh. Now, when the attendant of the man of God, so Elisha's assistant, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was surrounding the city. So his attendant said to him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? It's so interesting. Man, he was flipping out, uh, and totally understandably, really, I mean, come on, all of us would have been flipping out at that point, knowing that, that the whole army of Aram was coming to get Elisha, unbelievable, in order to kill Elisha, because he knew that Elisha was, was spilling the beans, telling all the secrets that he was divinely given to Israel's king, and therefore defeating Aram. And uh, Elisha's attendant was obviously flustered and frightened, understandably so, really. What are we going to do? Beloved, how often have you been there? How often have you been there in your life? I'm sure that each of you could point to moments in your life where you're like, what, are we go what am I going to do? God, what am I going to do? One time or another, these things happen. Sometimes big things, sometimes small things. It might be a relationship that you're just flustered with. It might be a situation. It might be somebody trying to take advantage of you. It might be somebody saying mean things about you. It might be something going on with your spouse. You don't know exactly what's happening. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's an understandable kind of a reaction. What am I going to do? How often we, things seem to be very bleak, like there's no hope. But I'm telling you, there was something special about Elisha. There was something special about Elisha. I mean, the whole army, right? Mark had come just for this one guy. There was something special about him. And he, he Elisha, my friends, was in a different league. He was operating on a spiritual level that we can hardly imagine. What happened? What did Elisha say? Verse 16 of chapter 6, he said, fear not, he replied. Wow, that's, that's bold right there. It's like, what? what did you say? Excuse me? Repeat? Fear not, he said. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? Hold on. It's just a few of us in the little city here. The whole army surrounding us. What are you talking about, Elisha? Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, Adonai, please open the eyes, open his eyes, his attendant, that he may see. Then Adonai opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Ooh, jeez, my dear Lord. Oh, my dear Lord, it's unreal. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, I'm marking it. I want to see that in heaven, God. I'm asking right now. I want to see that on DVD. I got to see that DVD in heaven, man. 
I got to see that moment, what it looked like when, when, the, when the young man's eyes were open and he saw the angels and the chariots of fire surrounding him in the mountain the, on, on the Lord's side, all these angels. And just like with the fire, I mean, what that must have looked like. And suddenly when that dude's eyes opened, oh my gosh. I mean, and how could Elisha have even just like even said it so casually almost, you know, <laughs> it's like, that, that, that tells you something about Elisha, doesn't it? It tells you that he was operating in the supernatural and it wasn't foreign to him. Unbelievable. And, and the whole mountain was full of chariots of fire. Yan, tan, 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 yan, tan, 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 tan. Of a certain age, you understand that joke. Otherwise, that made no sense to you at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, seeing, <laughs> seeing something like this, it makes me think of why Yeshua said to Peter, oh, you of little faith. It, it, it made me think about that, right? Because first of all, you know, I think about it, I think Peter walking on the water, it's like, man, that's ridiculous. He was unbelievable, and no doubt he was. But then when he started falling, I think you think, well, boy, Yeshua kind of gave him a little shot there. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And it's like, wow, but, but you know, Yeshua was operating in the spirit realm in such a way that, that it's like walking on water was, was, was nothing. Now, we're not there. That's just unbelievable to me. But do you see? And so he looked at Peter and was like, oh, Pete, come on. No, Pete, no. Why did you doubt, buddy? No. Because Pete was starting to move into this spirit realm. You know, Pete was like the attendant of, of Elisha whose eyes were open for just a moment. Peter had it. And he was believing, and there he was, walking on the water, you know, on, on the blue water, just like our carpet, you know, and there it was. And the, ah, okay. And so in any case, he, this reminds me of the story a little bit with Elisha and, and his attendant. There was something different about Elisha, my friends. He moved in the spirit realm in a way that few of us do. I wonder why. Why? Why? Why Elisha? Chapter 4. Then there was the time when a Shunammite woman and her older husband were kind to Elisha and set up a room in their home. If you remember the story, they were uh, set up and asked, and they put up a room upon their roof just for the prophet that whenever he came through town, that he could stay with them. That, that was really neat, special, and very hospitable. By the way, hospitality pays, my friends. Some of you have the gift of, gift of hospitality. You don't have to be up on stage. You don't have to be a member of the band or, or leading a service or be a cantor. How about trying to be hospitable? That, that's a gifting of God too. You know, that, that matters. Whatever it is, these people were hospitable to Elisha. Uh, and so Elisha was so moved by their generosity and kindness to him that he asked her, this couple that was living there, that gave him the room for whenever he was in town. He asked her, what, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And, and what did she reply? She replied to Elisha, well, I don't have a son. See, we know, we read in scripture that her husband was very old, was older. And they had not, they had tried, they couldn't have kids. And she said, I didn't, I don't have a son. And, and then immediately he prophesies and says, you will. <laughs> you will. Boom. It's like, boom, drop the mic. There it is. <laughs> so, wow, that was intense. And of course, he, of course, she did. She did have a son, as we know the story. Absolutely miraculous. The Lord used Elisha to pray for and prophesy this child. Child came. But then a little bit later in the story, once the, the child had, was older, something interesting happened with the same woman. It was like, boy, she was more than doubly blessed by, by uh, Elisha. Chapter 4, verse 18. Now, when the child was grown... One day he went out to his father among the reapers, and then he said to his father, my head, my head. So the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and brought him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon and then died. She then went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door on him and went out. Elisha wasn't there at the time, of course. So what happens? Though the, so, so here it is, the son that was promised by Elisha died. He said, my head, he died. And, and, and she, the mother took him, put him in Elisha's room. Although Elisha wasn't there, of course. He was on Mount Carmel. And, 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 and so what happens? Then she, she immediately, man, she was something. It should be interesting to meet in heaven too. 
great woman of faith. She immediately closed the door behind her and, and said, get the donkey. <laughs> get the donkey. It's, it's kind of like, you know, get the car, okay? <laughs> and I'm going, to get, I'm going to get Elisha. So what does she do? She, she takes off and she goes to get Elisha. It was on Mount Carmel, which in those days would have been at least 20 miles on a donkey. Now, I don't know if you've ridden, some of you have ridden on a donkey some. It's not very pleasant. But anyway, <laughs> back then that was the common mode of transportation. And so she went on this donkey, and, and it was 20 miles plus, including up a mountain, if you know Mount Carmel, the Mount Carmel Range. And, and she went up the mountain, and she was going fast, it says in the scripture. But even at fast, it was at least half a day, if not a whole day. It was at least half a day journey. It was a long way. In other words, it wasn't like five minutes down at the quick trip or something. <laughs> no, it was what happened. She finally arrived. She arrived on the top of Mount Carmel where Elisha was, and she fell down at Elisha's feet and beseeched him to help her. And what happened? Scriptures tell us he came. He came right away. And then what happened? Verse 32 of chapter 4. Very interesting. When Elisha entered the house, there was the child dead and laying on his bed. So he finally arrives. This is surely at least probably a day later. So he entered and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to Adonai. Then he got up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, hands on his hands, and he stretched himself upon him. So the flesh of the child became warm. Then he stepped down and walked in the house to and fro, and then he got up on the bed and stretched himself on him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he called Gehazi, his assistant, and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her. When she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. She came, fell at his feet, and bowed down to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. My goodness, y'all. This is not small stuff. It's big, 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 big. God used Elisha to raise a man from the dead. Raise a man from the dead. As a side note, resurrection is a very Jewish concept. My Jewish brother or sister, you've heard about this Yeshua rising from the dead. Is that, is that very, it's an extremely Jewish concept. I'm reading from the Tanakh right here. Achim, Bachayotz. What an anointing. See, my friends, the power of God can flow with you and through you in your life, if you let him move in your life. And I want for you to know that Elisha was just a human being like you and me. This was a human being. This wasn't some kind of a demigod or some other kind of weird thing. This was a human being like us. But wow, how God used him to raise this young man from the dead. That's serious. Why Elisha? I go back to the same question. Why Elisha? Why Elisha? It's what, what was different about Elisha that he was able to do these unbelievable things that you hear about like nobody else almost in the whole Bible doing this kind of stuff? Well, I want to take you back in time because the answer goes back. The answer goes back in time. It goes back to his days under Eliyahu Hanavi. Elijah the prophet. The Bible doesn't explicitly say exactly how long, but based on all that happened after he took him in as his assistant, God's the one who told Elijah, get Elisha to be your assistant and to be your protege, your successor. But based on all that happened, scholars estimate that Elisha was under Elijah for somewhere between 6 and 23 years. We don't exactly know how, how many. I've read, I've read lots of different things as to exactly how many years it was. At least 6 and up to 23. So it was a long time. Anyway you look at it, let's pick 10. However long it was, it was a long time that Elisha was under Elijah, if you will. He submitted himself to Elijah and served him 24-7. He was, he was there to assist him anything he needed. And by the way, Elisha was learning, serving. He was serving, serving. At some point, with all that Elisha had and was able to do at some point, you might have thought that Elisha might have said, you know, Elijah, thank you for all, all that you've taught me. But I think you need to move aside because Elisha is here. Hi, I'm Elisha. I'm the new Elijah. <laughs> Our names are similar. Did you get that? 
<laughs> yep, that, he, he was kind of yesterday's prophet. I'm the new one. Watch my tie. Ooh, pretty neat, huh? <laughs> no, this is not what he did. Uh, it would have gotten most. It would have gotten him stoned. Almost got me stoned here tonight. <laughs> he submitted himself to Elijah. Then the moment arrived. The moment arrived. It's a key moment. Because God ordained Elijah not to die. And he would be, scriptures tell us that he would be taken up into heaven. Wow. As a side note, Elijah was a heavy hitter too. <laughs> Elijah was a seriously heavy hitter to be taken up in a whirlwind. Come on, y'all. And what happened? It's interesting because if you follow the story, Elijah told Elisha, his assistant, his, his successor and protege, he told him, stay here. I'm going to go over there and the Lord's going to do with me whatever he's going to do with me. And, and Elisha said, absolutely not, dear sir. I am going with you. A couple, like three times. Elijah was like, just hang back and I'm just going to go over here and see what God's going. Elisha's like, no, sir. No, sir. I love you, but I am coming with you. Because, you know, I just got to gotta be here for this, see what the Lord's going to do. He had, a, he had a zeal for God. Elisha did. Follow me now, 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going back all the way to chapter 2 now. And we're going to hear a little bit of the story. And here's the moment, friends, key. Now, uh, verse 9. Now, as they were crossing over, this is the Jordan River, right near Jericho, by the way, for those of you who've been with me in this area. Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I will do for you before I'm taken from you. <laughs> Elijah asked Elisha, okay, I'm about to go. Lord's about to take me. What do you want me to do for you, son? What do you want me to do? You could tell he loved Elisha. You could see it in the words. Man, that's, that's an intense question. What do you want me to do for you? Elisha's answer. So Elisha said, please, Bavakasha, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Woo! Wow. Elisha asked for a double portion. My friends, when he asked uh, for a double portion of uh, Elijah's spirit, he's referring to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God, to be upon him. A double portion of the Holy Spirit of God to be upon him. Now, friends, that's a big ask. Friends, that's a big ask. Why? Elijah was incredibly anointed by God. I mean, was the Spirit of God upon Elijah or what? Are you kidding me? Fire from heaven, all the other amazing things that happened with Elijah. Was his, his own resurrection, I mean, just unbelievable that, that, that happened with him. I mean, amazing things that Elijah did. And, and Elijah is asking for a double portion. Unbelievable right here. So what happened next? What did Elijah say when Elisha asked for the double portion? Verse 10, well, he was like, okay. He replied, ooh, you have asked a hard thing. I love that response. That shows that they were buds, you know? It shows that they were buds. They were real people. You know, Elijah was like, oh, okay, man. <laughs> You're asking for a hard thing. He's like, Man, Lord, all the anointing you've given me over the years, and this, this young man here is asking for a double portion? Whew, that's a hard thing you're asking for, Elisha. I love how real they are with each other. Continuing in verse 10. Nevertheless, now Elijah makes this prophecy. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be so to you. But if not, it will not be so. So in other words, if you see me as I'm taken up to heaven you'll have the double portion. In other words, he's saying, at the end of the day, it's up to God, son. <laughs> it's up to God. I'm, I'm praying, but you know what? It's up to him. We'll see. If you see me going up, there's your answer. You got the double portion. So what happens? Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking, can you imagine just kind of schmoozing and kibitzing? <laughs> Yiddish. As they were walking along and talking, behold, the chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. 
and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. As Elisha was watching, he was crying out, Avi, Avi, my father, my father. Wow. The chariot of Israel and its horsemen. Then he saw him no more. So he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces, which is a Jewish sign of mourning. But what happened, man, you can, you can feel the heart. Man, these guys loved each other. And Elijah was a father to Elisha. My father, I could just imagine that moment as his father, his spiritual father was just being taken up and he saw it and, and everything that that meant. And he just cried out, my father, my father. Mm. Friends, I ask why many times. Why, 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 why Elisha? Why Elisha? Friends, the reason that the oil didn't run out the reason that Elisha could see the chariots of fire that were guarding him, the reason that the barren woman had a baby, the reason that Elisha raised that young man from the dead, and if you read it, the reason why Elisha experienced twice the number of miracles of Elijah is that Elisha had a double portion of the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. This is the reason, my friends. Why, how, how, why? That's why. A double portion of the anointing. I'm going to tell you a little secret, my beloved. Every single Shabbat, usually during the worship, every Shabbat that we have a service here, usually during the worship, I spend time just praying to the Lord between me and God. And I pray to the Lord for a couple things. Uh, and this is a little intimate, but I'm sharing only because it's relevant to the story. I, I pray, Lord, please, regarding this message I'm about to give, and I always do two things. One, I humble myself before the Lord, because I know I'm in front of people. People, so many people watching on, online and stuff. Secondly, I pray for the anointing of God on me and my message. Because I know that no matter how much I study, or how much I work, how much I put into a message, or even if I have a certain amount of natural gifting, that my effectiveness is much greater if I do not rely on me. But I gotta rely, on the other hand, on the anointing of the Spirit of God to speak through me to people. Brother or sister, make sure that whoever you are under as your teacher and spiritual authority does not rely on education or their own natural giftings, or style, or tradition alone, but you sense the anointing of the living God upon them when they speak. This is what makes the difference, my friends. This is what's gonna make the difference in your life, is the anointing of the Almighty God. But beloved, remember at the beginning, I asked you how you can be most successful in the eyes of the Lord and whatever it is that you are doing. What will make you special? Get ready for the answer. You have to have the anointing of God on your life. Listen, you don't have to be a rabbi or a worship leader to have the anointing on what you do. If you're in IT or graphic design, or sales, or retail, or marketing, or operations, whatever it is, pray to the Lord to anoint you for the work that you are doing. Pray to the Lord God for the anointing in what it is that you're doing. But that's my secular work. That's not God's work. Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. I'm slipping now to the Hadashah, the new covenant. Colossians chapter three. I'm glad you asked that question which wasn't really a question. Colossians chapter three, <clears throat> verse 23 says this. Oh, beloved, listen. Whatever you do, work at it from the soul as for the Lord and not for people. For you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. It is to the Lord Messiah you are giving service. Oh, friends, you can't get more clear than that. 
So whatever you are doing, we are doing it as unto the Lord. So pray for the anointing of God in your life. My friends, when you are at work, pray for the anointing in whatever it is that you're doing, in your IT work, in your graphic design work, in your sales work, in whatever it is that you do professionally. Pray for the anointing of God. Lord, anoint me in my work today. Lord, I I pray that you just give me a blessing. I pray, Lord, for a double portion of your ruach upon me as I do the work that you've called me to do. You see, it doesn't matter what it is. Remember, Colossians says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Because it's really, you're in giving service to Messiah Yeshua. Even when you do whatever it is that you do, that's what the word of God says. But it's not just that. When you're playing drums, when you're ushering, when you're greeting, when you're calling to encourage a neighbor, whatever it is, pray for the anointing of God. Musicians, before you come up here, musicians that are watching online right now, pray for the anointing of God before you get on these drums. Pray for the anointing of God before you play that bass or that guitar or whatever the keyboard, whatever the instrument is. Pray for the anointing of Hashem. Why? Because that's what makes a difference, my friends. That's what's going to change lives, including your own. When you share the good news, pray for the anointing of God. You, you, you know you're about to share with somebody the truth of Messiah, right? Maybe your, your, your Jewish brother or sister or family member even. Pray, Lord, give me your anointing as I speak and I share with them the truth of Moshiach, of the Messiah. I don't want it to be my words, but I want them to be your words, oh God. For that matter, as a grandparent or as a parent, I know a number of you are parents He's got some some medium-sized ones, not really little ones anymore, little, getting bigger though, right? Okay, and so, you know, as a parent, as a dad, pray for the anointing as a father or as a mother or as a grandparent. Lord, anoint me, Lord God, to be a, a great dad. Lord, show me your path. Lord, when I speak to my children, let it be with, with, with the power and the authority and the love of with the anointing of God. Anoint me, God, so that I don't get out of your will, so that I don't say things that I shouldn't say, that I don't get into a hurtful manner, or I don't become angry, or, or I, that you give me the right, right words to say. Why? Because I, it would be out of the anointing, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit of God. This is powerful, my friends. Whatever it is, pray for the anointing. There is great power in the anointing. Did you hear what all happened through Elisha? There's power in the anointing. Watch out, I'm gonna start preaching in a minute here. (laughs) Let's conclude 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. Man, I've been looking forward to this message. This, Elisha inspires me, y'all. I'll I'll be honest with you, Elisha inspires me. A final postscript that's perhaps my favorite Elisha story after all. And there's lots I didn't even talk about, right? But there's, even after those amazing stories, there's one final story about Elisha that to me is my favorite of all. And it's like, wow, after you just read all those, how could another one be your favorite? Well, it is, but everybody's different. In fact, I'll tell you that this particular miraculous thing that happened was the inspiration for this message. It was, it was a couple of years ago that our family was reading the Bible together at our kitchen table, and we read this scripture and when we read this scripture, I'm like, first of all, I was just blown away. I had not remembered the scripture. It's just a quick scripture, and then it moves on. But I thought, my gosh, and it was immediate that the Lord just said, okay, there's a message for you. And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa can somebody get me a napkin or something? I got to write something down. You know, we're at the kitchen table. I'm like, give me a piece of paper. And I jotted some notes down because I knew that the Lord would want me to share about this. It was just so inspiring to me, and it blew me away. It just blew me away as I reflected on it. I started thinking about it, Damien. It blew, the story just blew me away. I was like, man, it's just unbelievable. Okay, so here, here's, here's the story. After many years of serving the Lord, Elisha dies. Okay. Other than just a couple, Enoch, right? And, and his mentor, Elijah, everybody's, everybody died. Okay, and so Elisha eventually dies after a long time serving the Lord and doing amazing things. And then after he dies... Uh, and, is, and is buried, something absolutely unbelievable happens. And of course, 
uh, uh, they, they buried them back then in a, in a different way than they buried today. Uh, oftentimes it was, uh, well, in any case, you'll see. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20. Then Elisha died and they buried him. Now, okay, so it's moving on. He's, he's dead and buried. Now, bands of Moabite marauders used to invade the land at the spring of the year. Okay, so now we have the story. It's set up. There are these Moabites that periodically come through to invade the land during the spring. Verse 21, it came about as they were burying a man. So these Jewish guys were burying somebody, but behold, they saw a marauding band. So here come the Moabites. They're coming in really fast, but they're in the process of burying somebody. They're burying the, the, their Jewish brother or sister, you know, brother, and they're in the middle of trying to bury the guy, but they, they look on the distance, and here comes the, the, the Moabites, they're, and they're coming to do, take care of business. They're going to hurt them, okay? They're, they're raiding. And so what happened? So what did they do? They threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. It's like, you know, listen, they, they didn't have time to do anything. They, they had to get out of Dodge. Here come the Moabites. They threw the, the dead guy into Elisha's tomb. As soon as the man's body touched Elisha's bones, he came back to life and he stood up on his feet. <laughs> just unbelievable. That's, that's the end of that story. That's just unbelievable. I, I remember reading that. I just sitting in the kitchen. It had been a long time since I'd heard that story. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's just unbelievable. You think about that, y'all. The double portion anointing of God was so powerfully on Elisha that even his bones raised a man from the dead. <laughs> Golly, good grief. That's awesome. I'm telling you, folks, there is great power in the anointing of God. Pray for it and move in it today. The title of my message is Elisha. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. You never ask God to, uh, never ask Yeshua to be your Messiah and your atonement. If that's you, lift your hand and we'll pray together. Or maybe you're online and you've never said that prayer to turn your life over to Yeshua. If so, pray this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you. God, thank you in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you the joy and the delight. Boy, the ruach, the anointing of the ruach, right? It comes into your, comes into your life. And God's spirit is within you. Now, if you're here or if you're watching online and maybe you've, you've had some struggles, you've been going through it, there have been trials, there have been some difficult things in your life. It might be overall, it might be in one little situation, whatever it is, friends. In just a moment, I want you to pray for an anointing. I want you to pray for the anointing of God in whatever area that is. If it's vocationally, if it's with, in your career, in your job, if it's, as a, if it's as a parent, if it's as a grandparent, if it's as a friend, it's, if it's as a coworker, if it's financial, if it's emotional, if you've got some baggage, if you've been hurt, if it's for a task that God has called you to, a ministry, and a ministry could mean to even people in your own family. Whatever it is, I want you to, in just a moment, I want you to just silently between you and God, maybe you've never done this before, but wherever you are, the musician is gonna just play just with the music for just a minute. And when they do, I just want you to take just a moment. We're just going to take just one minute. And I want you to pray to the Lord and say, God, Lord, I pray and ask for your anointing. And if you really want to be bold, ask for a double portion. <laughs> but be ready because your, your heart has to be pure before God. Remember, Elisha served Elijah for, you know, what, 10, 15 years. It's dutifully serve, 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 serve. He had a heart of servanthood. That's got to be your heart if you want to receive what God has for you to be used in whatever way, big or small, it doesn't matter. But pray for an anointing of God and just let the Lord touch you. Be sincere. If you have, if there's anything you need to ask for forgiveness for, do it before you ask for that anointing just to clean your slate first. 
We're going to take literally just a minute and the musicians will just play for a second here. thank you for the example of Elisha. Lord, I look forward to meeting him up in heaven. Lord, thank you, God, for this anointing, this double portion you put on him. Lord, I pray in agreement with all these prayers here online, podcasts, whatever it is, God, whenever this is being watched or listened to, it might even be years in the future, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for an anointing of your Ruach, Lord, upon whoever is asking for it in those particular areas of their lives, Lord, not for their purposes or their glory, but for your glory, O oh God, as you've been glorified through the life of Elisha and everything you did through him. Lord, I pray for an anointing on what you've called us to, big or small, it doesn't matter, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I, what a blessing it is, Lord, to be, in, to be infilled by your Ruach, by your Spirit, and to be anointed. So I thank you for these things, God, and bless you for them. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah Yeshua, we pray. Amen and amen. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.